The Control OAB podcast, brought to you by Astalis. Hello, and you're very welcome along to the second episode of Control OAB. I'm your host, Claire McKenna. Over the course of this series, we'll be shedding a light on a medical condition that affects almost 350,000 people in Ireland today, overactive bladder. Now, if you've heard of OAB, there's a good chance, almost one in three in fact, that you think it mainly affects women, or maybe you assume that it's primarily a condition that elderly people suffer from. So it might surprise you to learn that 52% of those affected by it in Ireland are men, and almost half, 49% of the people with the condition, are in the 35 to 64 age bracket. These preconceived ideas about OAB are why we've partnered with Astalis to create this podcast, which you can listen to in private and in your own time, making it the perfect place to learn about a medical issue that affects a lot of Irish people, just like you and me, and which we don't often hear talked about. We really want to change that, so we've invited a range of healthcare professionals and patients to share their insights, their experiences and their advice for dealing with this all-too-common condition. Hopefully, our guests will be able to give you the information you need to take control of OAB today. It's as simple as contacting your GP or even visiting oab.ie to complete a self-assessment. In our last episode, we heard from leading urologist Dr. James Ford, who shared some of the common symptoms and signs to be aware of. Today, we're joined by a lady who's no stranger to what Dr. Ford described for us and joins me today to share her experience of living with OAB. Eukarya, you're very welcome along to the show today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, thank you very much for coming on to talk about this today. Tell us a little bit then about when you first started experiencing symptoms. It was about 2009, around 56. And it didn't, it didn't come like a flash or a bang at you at all. It was just, just noticing small things. You'd be out for an evening and if you had a drink, you were kind of going to the bathroom a little bit more often than anybody else. But it gradually got worse as time went on. And I noticed I was having an awful lot more frequency during the day. Um, at that stage, I did approach my GP to be fair, I don't think there was too much known about that condition at the time. And she said that um, I had had four children. I was on the menopause and it could have been any of those things were causing problems to the bladder. So we just went with that. And then I seemed to have an awful lot of infections like cystitis. So we were into this about maybe a year and a half. And then one day I just, I had enough. I couldn't take anymore. I had worsened and worsened where it got to the stage where the pressure was unreal. And if you went, let's say, to town for the day shopping, I would know where every situation of a toilet was in the city centre. You didn't have, really, you couldn't queue. It was gone to the stage where if you were to hold, you were there like perspiration running down through you. I was known to go into wheelchair toilets, jump queues. I'm sure it wasn't very pleasant in any bathroom situation. And then it was where if I, let's say I went to the cinema in the course of a two-hour movie, I might have had to go to the bathroom seven times. And that's not very fair on people around you. So it got to the stage where I didn't want to go any place. It was so much easier to refuse invitation, even if it was to a family gathering in a house. Family gatherings have large amount of people and you had to still queue for bathroom. 
easier to stay at home. And how did you feel at that time? I was just thinking I maybe have muscles are gone because I had four kids and menopause brings all these sort of symptoms at you. And then one day I just said enough is enough and I phoned my GP and I said send me somewhere because I can't go and live with this. And you know time space is out or whatever and then I got to see a specialist. And I gave him my story. He obviously had a referral and almost instantaneously he knew what I had. But we had to run some tests. We had to do some bladder tests and muscle tests. And then, let's say, six weeks later, I went back and he said all those tests were good. And at that time, it was decided that I would go on a life-changing way of eating because apparently food and drink can affect the way our bladder behaves. At that stage, the pressure to go was very strong. So we went on the diet, and I think I had to follow the diet for six weeks and return to him. And the diet made no difference to the pressure. I, I discovered if I drank cranberry juice, I went crazy for the toilet. If I had a beer, I might as well have stayed in the bathroom. And then I was admitted to hospital, and he done some more tests and discovered that there was some treatment that could, they could try on me. Um, It worked for some, it didn't work for others. I was willing to try anything at that stage. So I started a treatment around 2013, and that seemed to do really well. Ten months then, we had a second one, and then they introduced uh, another sort of treatment that kind of coats the bladder and helps us along. So now I'm at a stage, 12 years later, where I have the medical intervention treatment once a year, a lot of people that have this treatment can go home the same day. I'm not one of those, but it's not a big deal. It's a very, very short window in your life to give you the quality. Every 12 weeks, I have a little bit of a treatment done that's in and out in about an hour. I'm fine. And I became a whole new person. I went from being afraid to leave the house to go into the city centre, which is about 20 minutes that I might have to say to one of my daughters, take the wheel, let me out near the nearest toilet, I can't carry on. And as well as that, as the bladder functions got worse and worse and the pressure got worse and worse, pain came. That was a new thing. There was constant pain every time you went to the bathroom. And then I got the treatment. It doesn't work for everyone, but in my opinion, it's worth trying. If I had known in 2009 what I know now, if I had someone to say to me, it's not your muscles, it's not your menopause, it is a medical problem, there's ways to fix it, one way may not fix you, but there's other ways to work with it, I wouldn't have had to suffer. I imagine I went about three years. And the initial time I went to the doctor the first time, oh my God, I was mortified. And I look back and I say, but why? There's worse things you have to go to them with. You know, it's it's not your fault. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. It's your body. And I, I think if, if you have something like this and you have it longer than, let's say, two months, then seek professional help. 
And do you think there's women that just put up with these kind of things, particularly because of, like you say, childbirth or menopause, that we just take these things on and carry on? And as you say, there, there really is no need. Oh, yes. And I have heard of people since. And I have spoken to people at the school gate and whatever with my grandkids, to people that know now that I have been getting treatment. And I would say to them, no need for you to suffer in silence. There is nothing wrong. It's not a shameful condition. If you thought you had cancer in the morning, that's the first thing you do is you seek medical help. And this thing can, it can be prevented, but it can be helped. Most people that have anything, like if you like if you have a cold or a cough and it's not clearing up, will you go to the doctor and say, well, I'm sick so many weeks. Can you see what's wrong with me? And why not do the same thing with your bladder? How is life now then with the treatment? How has it changed? Life is sweet. I went from not being able to go really in the end. I became a prisoner, really. I, I could go nowhere to now I can travel anywhere. I can go to any kind of a function and I'm not worried about getting to the bathroom before anybody else or I can just do anything I like now. I travelled last summer with my son and my daughter and grandkids. We travelled around Ireland. No problem to sit in the car for hours. You know, they'd have a bathroom stop and I'd take it or leave it. I can go now maybe five hours at a time without ever having to think about going in and searching buildings for bathrooms. And um, that just speaks for itself. Was it a tough road? I mean, you've said kind of a couple of years passed that there were time spent in in hospital. So was it a difficult experience to find what worked for you? No, the toughest part was getting to see a specialist, making yourself have the courage to see somebody, have them tell you, yes, there is a problem or we're going to see what we can do for it. Like in hospital for a test in and out the same day. You know, you do that for any kind of a diagnosis. The toughest part was trying to find out how to manage it. The best part is there's no pressure. The pressure to go was, it was unreal. You needed to go and there was nowhere you could in any place stand and say, I can hold another 10 minutes. You just had to go and, and be done with it. That was a tough bit, finding toilets having to stand in queues, that, 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 that was the worst bit. The actual going to the specialist and getting diagnosed, looking for treatment that will work, that was the easy bit. And it's still the easy bit. There's a huge relief, isn't there, when something you're experiencing is given a name, that you know what it is and you're given a treatment plan. Yes, and everybody is different. My bladder problem is probably different from somebody else's. When they look in, there's all different categories of different words for what you have. But to be told, no, you're not going mad. You know, you have something that really is wrong with you. It's not menopause. It's nothing silly. It is a problem. And we're going to see, can we fix you? Like, that's magic. Absolute magic to hear those words. Do you know, you couldn't... Now, when I had the first treatment done, it took a while to settle. But once 
once you have it done over and it's based the time and done again and again. Now, as I say, some people may not work out like with, with what I take. Someone else, it might work with just a diet. But at the end of the day, sitting at home, wondering, like when COVID came, I taught of people I had that condition and now they were working from home. And I thought, oh my God, it must have been like winning the lottery to them. You have access to a toilet. You don't have to put your hand or go to your boss and need a bathroom so many times a day. I didn't have that problem now. I was very lucky that I wasn't working out of home. But it must have been such, I suppose, in, in a bad time in, in our lives. COVID is a shocking thing. But to be able to stay at home and do your work and not to have to worry about running in and out of toilets, those people must have been jumping for joy. It'll show how bad your experience was that you're saying COVID must have been a godsend, but I completely get it that you had the relief of not feeling you had to go out. And before you got your diagnosis, Kerry, had you heard of overactive bladder before? No, I would have heard something about it, but it would have been the woman down there is 90 or 80 odd and she had a little bit of a bladder problem, but I didn't hear it. I was 56 years old. I had never in my life thought that there could be such a thing and I, I'm looking back now and I suppose things have progressed in the last 12 years science-wise and that it is such a simple thing to walk into the doctor and say I need your help this isn't normal I shouldn't have to feel like this every single day what can you do for me if I had had somebody tell me years ago you can go to the doctor you can go to your GP, go to a specialist. They'll be able to look at you. They'll find some reason for it. They may or may not fix it. But it would have taken you out of this dark, dark place because you were there. Nobody else had it. I didn't know anybody else had it. None of my family, my sisters, nobody had it. And if there's somebody listening that really identifies with some of the things you're saying, like that urgency that it's affecting their life, what would be your advice to them? Just go and see the doctor. It's the initial embarrassment when you walk in a door and say, right, the doctor says, what can I do for you? Well, doctor, I am having terrible issues with the bathroom. Pressure is unreal. It isn't normal. It's such a small, small sentence for the remainder of what you can have looked at. Fixed, if not fixed, controlled. Mine isn't fixed. It's controlled. And you feel like a new woman, you said, like a new person. Oh, my God. I have no fear of taking an invite to any place. Now, with COVID, that's not possible at the minute. All mine started before COVID. And I travelled to New Zealand to see my daughter for 37 hours on my own, four different flights. And it never bothered me at all. The bathroom was never an issue. Finding my next place to depart was an issue. But the bathroom or where we could get sit down and have something to eat. But not not the bathroom. That wasn't an issue. And prior to that, she lived in my daughter lived in Scotland and I would be able to tell you the flight when they were getting ready to come into land and I would be like a bullet to the nearest bathroom. Then I got this treatment done and I had no worries whatsoever. It was like I'm a normal person again now. You know, if you want to go out for dinner, you don't have to be considering the 
the exits where the bathrooms are. You don't have to be saying, oh, I can't have a glass of water. Or There's certain things you can't have now. Like I have this diet and it's lifetime diet. And there are certain things that will make your bladder more active than others. And what are some of those changes you had to make? I, I used to like a glass of beer. That's gone. I don't have any spicy food. I eat very bland, very bland diet. I don't eat a lot of chocolate. All these things are very good for you, of course. They're not the best things in the world to be eaten anyway. I don't eat cream cakes. You know, you just, you learn the diet. I love tomatoes. You don't have tomatoes now. You don't have apples. A lot of fruit. And it took a while for that diet to kick in. It took a while to get used to being without. But you, you find stuff that you can eat and that you kind of adjust. It's not a big deal. It's a very small price to pay. In my case, other people may not have to do the diet. As you say, everyone's different. Their concerns are different. Their bodies are different. Yeah. Uh, so therefore, some of the things that irritate their bladder may be different. But as you say, it's a small price to pay for the huge turnaround you've had. And it's great to hear that you've got that quality of life back and that you you sought that treatment. Kerry, it's been so lovely talking to you. I hope you get back to New Zealand soon to see no, your family. I won't be going back to New Zealand. New Zealand, I came home. But... On the plus side, I'm looking forward, COVID permitting, to go to France for three years, three weeks this year. Unheard of at the beginning of the story. You, Keria, thank you so much again for sharing your story with us today. If any of the experiences or advice you've heard over the past two episodes particularly resonated with you, don't forget you can log on to oab.ie to complete a self-assessment. And don't forget, later in the series, we'll also hear what living with OAB is like from a male perspective. As we've heard today, it's a common condition and one we should all be more comfortable talking about. So a huge thanks must go to our partners, Astalis, for working with us to raise awareness of the condition and how it can be managed. Let's take control of OAB today.